with one of the best savings rates in America, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing Slash to be in your band. Next up for lead guitar. You're in. Cool. <laughs> yep, even easier than that. And with no fees or minimums on checking and savings accounts, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC. This week at Macy's, find Valentine's Day gifts for all your loves, like fragrance gift sets they'll adore. Plus, take an extra 15% off with your coupon or Macy's card. On top of beautiful jewelry finds, now 35 to 70% off. And 25% off decadent chocolate from Godiva. Macy's Star Rewards members earn on every purchase except gift card services and fees. More at Macy's.com slash Star Rewards. Savings off sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply. Welcome to Section 336 Next Generation Bond Sports Talk. I'm your endearing Southern host, Matt Sroka. As always, I'm joined by a guy who decided to vote for Mike Trout, Aaron Judge, and Byron Buxton in his outfield, the button lover, Josh Sroka. Yeah, well, what I, yeah, I vote for only injured guys. Is that what you're trying to say? Yeah. Not yeah, safe opponents. Only go with injured guys, not guys that go with... Uh, not guys with real stats. I am just a popularity contest. Yeah. Well, I mean, people I, are complaining about the voting, though. I, though I think a lot of people would argue that if politics have not shown us the past ten years, is is we really think Mer- Americans are knuckleheads with who they vote for anyway. So here's yet another example of America being knuckleheads with who they vote for. And I, I want to ballot check. I want to count the hanging chads. I, I heard some dead people were voting for, for Aaron Judge. I want to get right. into this, Josh. Well, I want to yeah, get to the bottom of this. The hanging chads went away. Because okay. I, I believe, remember, hanging chads, for me, originated in All-Star Voting. Where, where, that's when All-Star Voting was cool. When there was no Google All-Star Voting, you went to the ball game. You had to put money out and go to a ball game to get the little piece of paper and then you had to dig for a key or a pen in order yep. to poke out the little chads. There, there, there were five people sitting in a row, and the usher would hand you 50 ballots. Yes. And half of them would end up in your uh, under your seat as trash, but you, you punched some of them until you got tired. Right. And you then put it in the box. Dropped it in the box on your way out. That's when all star voting. That's when it was still a popularity contest. Yeah. And, but it was at least like you had to do something. You had to go to the ballpark and do the work. Yeah. Josh, on a scale of one to 10, I mean, numbers, obviously Cedric Mullins deserved to be voted in by the fans as a starting outfielder. There's there's no discussion. The fact that he wasn't, even though he still could, I think we, I mean, he's an all-star and we'll find out, I think later if he's starting or not. Um, How outraged are you on a scale of one to 10 that Cedric Mullins wasn't announced as a starting outfielder? Wasn't uh, voted in. I didn't expect him to be. So I mean, I don't care. I 
I, he's obviously deserves to be an all-star. But all-star voting's been messed up for years. We know this. I've always been of the mind that all-star voting should be determined by a computer and, and stats. And it's very clear if you're an all-star or you're not. The same way we don't settle playoffs in baseball by, hey, let's vote on what team should be in the playoffs. It's a simple stats that tell you whether or not what team deserves to be in the, in the playoffs. Um, yeah, so but, but all-star voting is, I is think it's for, for the fans. The whole all-star thing is for the fans. Well, okay, but in that case, everything's for the fans. Sure. It's, it, it, baseball uh, baseball is uh, – I wish Bert was on here, and we'll get to Bert in a couple of weeks, and I'll get his opinion then because you don't care about this. But baseball is ruining the best part of the all-star game. You're talking about the uniforms. The uniforms. The yeah, uniforms. I don't care. I know you don't care. But part of the beauty of the, of the all-star game as a kid is to watch and see all the different uniforms out on the field. And now them trying to make them all the same takes that away. All right. So, no, other, the all-star fan shorts for the fans, but it's also for baseball to showcase the best players. You don't do fan voting for the futures game. You don't. Why do fan game here? Why not let – it's why I kind of like that Cedric Mullins is a reserve because the reserve is not picked by the fans. The reserve is picked by players and managers. So I feel like there's more respect if you make it as a reserve. Even if he was our lone representative, so they had to pick someone from the Orioles? Um, this isn't a Ty Wigginton situation. Yeah. He would have been picked whether or not the Orioles had someone. I'm kind of surprised they didn't force Trey Mancini in, but I guess they figure the All-Star game is enough or the home run derby is enough for him. Yeah, I think so. I think that's that's how he gets in. And his numbers, I mean, just look at his numbers. They haven't really warranted. No. Um, he's had a decent year, but not an All-Star type performance. But he does get in, into that home run derby. Yeah. yeah. Nice home run this weekend, though. Yeah, blasted it. Center field. Yeah, it's been a while. So but, that was good to see. But then, unfortunately, Atani just showed you how he's going to win the All-Star Home Run Derby, and there's no point in anyone else competing. Yeah, Otani, first player I ever voted in as a uh, pitcher, and or not voted in as a hitter, and then selected as a pitcher. Yeah, that's cool. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's fun to see. It's fun to see Otani, um, even though he beat the Orioles single handedly. Um, it's still fun to to to, to see him play. Um, but no, I kind of like. I kind of part, part of me. There's some somewhere deep dark part of me that's happy Cedric Mullins didn't get voted in because just another chip on the shoulders of Oriole fans about how we're always being disrespected. And here's another example that we get no respect in this game and a baseball hates us. So I, I kind of like do, it from that. I do like that. Point. There, I assume all sports fans are this way. And we just see it a lot from Baltimore fans. Because it's the same with the Ravens fans. Ravens fans get all upset every time there's a uh, top quarterback list that doesn't have Lamar in like the top yeah. five. They, yeah. get, they get angry. So I, I, I assume this is all sports fans, but we definitely see it in Orioles and uh, Ravens fans. And in Oriole fans, it's even funnier because it's like at the same like two sentences before they're like bashing baseball for not choosing Mullins. They're bashing Elias and the Orioles and Angelos for the Orioles not winning. So it's kind of like uh, I can be angry and, and fight with my brother, but but you guys can't. Yeah. Yeah. And I appreciate that. I, I got some of that, too, where, yeah, we, we can bash and make fun of our own team. Right. But someone else can't. 
Like exactly. we've earned that right. Um, and yeah, so I buy it. I, I enjoy. I enjoy um, this past. You know, just recently is the drama over Cole Saucer after blowing the save yesterday. Cole Saucer's closer, all the outrage. I tell you what, Josh. If you want a likable pet arm, um, it's easy to do. But yeah. the moment, whether it's Valdez, Scott, Fry, now Salser, we love our bullpen arms until, until they, they start coming into the ninth inning. And then when they're in the ninth inning and they blow a game, we don't like those those pitchers anymore. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's just hilarious. So whoever is your favorite bullpen arm, put him in his closer, and I guarantee you within the week you won't like them anymore. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, but remember, manager Hyde says, oh, we don't have a closer. Yeah. It's because as soon as we put someone in there, they fail, and we got to try someone else there. Yeah, yeah. The reason we don't have a closer is because the same reason we don't have a starter most games. <laughs> yeah, <true. laughs> you just don't have one. True. I, but I'll tell you, this weekend, the Orioles were frustrating because they had chances to win at least two out of the three games. Yeah, I mean, it's not bad. If you take you take the Astros and Angels, and what you go three and six in that in that week of games versus yeah. the Astros. I'm sorry, three and three. You go five hundred in those games against Astros and angels, you'll take three and three against the Astros and angels. True. It's yeah, just kind true. of weird how it turned out where we swept the Astros and got swept by the angels. Each of those angels games, it was fun because they were all competitive. Right. Um, at least to the point around midnight when I fell asleep each night, they were competitive. Yeah. I stayed up for all of them. Good for you yeah, because of the competitiveness. But then they were such crappy losses. I never felt like doing Birdland tonight afterwards. Yeah. I was irritated. Um, yeah. Yeah. And we'll get to, we're going to have Bob from On the Verge join us in a minute to get to the uh, draft and kind of look ahead to that. Yeah, the draft Sunday, right? So this is our last podcast before the draft. And so uh, six days away now. So we're right. looking for Bob from On the Verge, his, his insights on, on the draft and who the war is going to take and all that, all that jazz. Yeah. So we'll, uh, you want to bring him in now? Oh, yeah, sure. Yes. All right. Let's add Bob in here if I'm pressing the buttons right. Hey, Bob. Hey, how's it going, guys? Hey, uh, thanks for coming on, joining us. All right, so this is Bob, your podcast is on the verge. It's part of the Baltimore Sports and Life. And uh, any Correct. Your Twitter? Whoa, whoa, hold, hold, up, hold up, hold up, Josh. Right now. Hold up. Gonna Josh. Do an introduction? No, let's talk about it right now because on the verge, if I'm if I'm correct here, Bob, you guys just talked to Matt Blood, director of player development, isn't that right? Yeah, we just got done with that interview. Went pretty well, so check it out. What, what are some? Are, are we live right now? Yeah, we're live. Yeah, we're live. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Can Can you give us any kind of quick teasers from the interview with Matt Blood? Um, Grayson Rodriguez is going to be promoted to the Orioles on Thursday. <laughs> no, you <laughs> you got to tune in to find out. No, he, all right, fine. He gave a lot of good information. He gave a lot of good information. It was exciting. It was good to have him on there. Yeah. All right. So. Yeah, you guys are going to get into a lot more detail on that episode than uh, we're going to get to cover here. So make sure you go check out On the Verge. Yeah, that's cool. So. That, yeah, that's a great get. I, I saw just real quick. I didn't have a chance to watch it because putting the kids to bed. But I saw I, – I didn't realize Matt Blood looked like that. So that that's a starter for me. He looked like a lot younger than, than I thought he was. Um, so, all right. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to listen to that. Yeah, and he's got a southern accent, so be prepared for that. <laughs> all, right. all right. Well, you guys uh, get Matt Blood. We get Bob. Yeah. Um, hey, I'm looking forward just to, as good. Yep. I'm, I'm looking forward to some of the draft questions Josh has to ask because I feel like Josh knows absolutely nothing about this upcoming draft. So oh, I'm going to let know, Josh handle all the questions. I know so much about this draft. 
Oh, like, do, you do want, you, Josh? Where, where do you want to start with this? I mean, first, how many how many picks does the, do the Orioles get? I know it's only a twenty round, but we get extras because of compensation, right? I think we get one extra in there. I think it's a second round comp B, something like that. All right. Is that All a good right. question? For I'm you? a real expert. Yeah, <laughs> great. We bring Bob in to to, what, I mean, to, to <laughs> tell me <laughs> draft picks Fine. we have, Josh. That's a, a question terrible question. How about this? Yeah. Are the Orioles okay. going to draft one of these Vanderbilt pitchers? No. All right. If I no, can follow up on that, unless, Josh. yeah. Well, go ahead because because the, because I mean Jack Leiter is going to go high, right? Isn't that the plan? But but yeah. why? I think the Red Sox. You think the Red Sox? I think the Red Sox are going to get lighter. If he falls to the Orioles, I think there is a chance they could take him, but I just don't see it happening. I don't think they're going to take Rocker. But it's very possible that Rocker falls to the Orioles and they still don't take Rocker. Is that right? And why is that? I think that is the most likely scenario. It looks like he's going to go maybe to Kansas City around pick number seven. I think it's just, you know, Elias, he loves his his hitters at the top of the draft and Rocker, he's had some ups and downs. His velocity and his stuff has kind of gone up and down throughout the year. He's still a great pitching prospect. Could be an ace one day, but I don't think he's the sure thing that maybe people thought he was to start the year and that maybe Jack Leiter could be. Yeah, that's wild how so much changes from the offseason, these conversations, right, where it was always uh, Kumar Rocker number one, maybe Jack Leiter number two, to now we see him dropping all the way to to number seven. Um, Does this have more to do, Bob, with the play of Rocker, maybe Leiter to to a lesser extent, um, with their play, or does it have more to do with these high schoolers that have moved up to the top of the draft because now we've seen more? Like, are the high school players better than we thought they were or are Jack Leiter and Kumar Rocker worse than we thought they were? Yeah, I honestly think it's more of the, I guess it's the former, the high school shortstops, I think are really, you know, the high school season came and went and they've really impressed a lot of people. I think it's just a matter of them having higher potential more so than Leiter and Rocker falling down a bit, but a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B, but I think it's more that the high school shortstops have really impressed a lot of people and right. Henry Davis, the Louisville catcher as well. Yeah. Well, and that, I did want to ask about the, the catcher position because there's a lot of talk about that this week, but with the high schoolers, uh, if Elias goes the high school direction, that's telling us that he's extending the rebuild even longer, right? Or is he already looking past the first rebuild and make it last? Yeah, I really think it's just a matter of get the best talent in there, you know, and go from there. You want to have your guys that are going to be knocking on the door next year, and you want to have guys that are four years down the road. But if you're, I think these high school shortstops are as good and should kind of like Gunnar Henderson get a little bit of a head start compared to your normal high school draftee. So it's very easily, if it's say Khalil Watson, that's who I'd like to see the Orioles take next week or this coming weekend. And let's say they took him, he will probably finish the year in the GCL slash FCL and then start Delmarva next year. Could follow the Gunnar Henderson path and be up by 2023, 2024. If that all goes well. Yeah. The, yeah, it's interesting, right? And Khalil Watson, I appreciate you saying that because when I watch the draft, I like to have someone to root for, the Orioles taking and I'm already, and you mentioned the catcher for, I don't know. So Henry, is it Henry Davis? Is that the catcher out there? Um, yeah. 
there, there, I've seen some mocks that have the Orioles taking Henry Davis as catcher. Um, with Ali Rutschman at catcher, um, I know nor- normally don't draft for, for need, but obviously Ali Rutschman appears to be the real deal. So if the Orioles take Henry Davis, there's got to be another plan, right, for Henry Davis outside of catching? No, I think it's the other yeah. way around. No, oh, for no, Adley? No. No, I think is Adley going is... to center field, Josh? No, I think Adley's going to first base. Because look look around Major League Baseball. Where do you have a power-hitting catcher anymore? That used to be the position. It's not anymore because they're so worried about these guys' knees, they move them out of catcher if they think they're going to be a long-term bat. All right, will you, will you tell me, Bob, is, is, is this Henry Davis kid a better elite defensive catcher than Adley Rutschman is? No, he's not. But I don't think what Josh is saying is completely without merit because oh, man. I, th- I think you might see, you know, Rutschman get half the time, maybe a little bit less than you would expect from a starting catcher. He is playing first base at Bowie. He could play some first base, play some DH in between his catching days because you're going to want his bat in the lineup every day. But no, Davis, he's just the best bat, period, at the college level this season. So he could easily move to third base, first base, corner outfield, and he's still going to hit very well, and he's got a good arm. So, yeah, he's more of a – you draft him for the bat, not necessarily the catcher position. And I yeah. don't – and oh, well, that's fine. I don't care about comparing him to Adley. Is he better at catching the ball than Pedro? Because Pedro is <laughs> completely irritating this year. Yeah, he's terrible. I think all three of us are better than <laughs> Pedro right. catching the ball this year. Right. This is when this is when years ago the Orioles pitching was so bad we wanted to have our own tryouts to show that we can throw the ball better. I feel like we need to do the same in the catcher position now. It, Million dollar glove. That's right. It it seems to me, Bob, if you look at if you look at the Orioles, they've taken two at the first round, two college bats the past couple years. And partly that's because um, there weren't as many top high school, I think, prospects the past couple of years that there are. I mean, Rutschman was a clear n- number one a couple of years ago. Um, and then last year, there weren't that many top-rated high school players. Um, but it also seems, am I wrong, that there's some more risk when you take a high schooler because, especially if you're Mike Elias, who loves data, right? And you just have a lot more data on college players College hitters specifically, there's less risk of injury, and you have more data. So it seems like college bats are the safer pick than a pitcher or a high school shortstop, right? A safer pick? Is that fair or no? Yeah, I think that's totally fair. I mean, I think the high school guys, it's kind of like risk-reward. There's more risk, but maybe the ceiling is higher than a a college bat because they're older, you kind of, they're more established, you kind of know what you're getting, whereas a guy like Marcelo Mayer or Jordan Lawler, Khalil Watson, et cetera, et cetera, you know, they they could tap into some more uh, Alex, you know, Alex Rodriguez type uh, (laughs) high school, move fast, blow up, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so Killer Watts is who I'm rooting for. Is there someone in the top? Like, does is it likely he falls? What could go wrong that Watson couldn't fall to us? Is there something else that could happen that could even benefit us more? Like, if I'm watching from the Orioles fan perspective, the first four picks in the draft as I wait for the Orioles to go number five, is there something like unpredictable that a team like is there like is there the Los Angeles Raiders um or I'm sorry the Las Vegas Raiders who could do something kind of bizarre in the top four that could benefit the Orioles at number five 
Yeah, I mean, I think there's actually, it, there's a lot of depth here at the top of the draft this year. It seems like there's seven or eight guys who every mock draft, it's a little bit shuffled from the, the previous one. But it seems like Marce- Marcelo Mayer, if I could ever say his name right, is going to go first to the Pirates. Then it's going to be probably Jordan Lawler to the Rangers. And then it gets a little iffy there. I think Boston will take Jack later if he falls. I think it's okay. going to come down to... Who is third? Uh, Detroit. I think Detroit could take Khalil Watson, and then we'd be left with choosing between Henry Davis, Brady House, or going under slot and saving some money for later in the draft. But no matter what, we're going we're gonna to get someone good. Everyone sure. always talks about Mike Elias and under slot. Is that something you really see him doing, or is it something that for some reason it's been linked to him, but he doesn't really lean on that? I think it's a little bit overblown. He did that with Carlos Correa with the Houston Astros when he was the draft guy there. And then he did it obviously with Heston Kerstad last year, but I think it's more just dependent on the situation. Look, obviously he took Adley Rutschman number one. If the obvious pick is there, he's going to take him. But if he thinks that say there's four or five guys with comparable uh, ceilings and, you know, comparable how much he likes them, he's going to take the one that's going to take, the least amount of money, save some money and use it later in the draft. So I think it's a little bit overblown, but it's definitely a tool that he has in his belt. Do, do you think this is a stupid question, but I'm going to ask anyway, because that's a stupid question sometimes based on what has happened um, with Hudson Kirk Kerstat, And just the fact that because of his unfortunate health situation, he hasn't been on the field yet for the Orioles. Is there somehow more pressure on Mike Elias to not miss with this number one pick? Hmm. That is a, I don't think that's a stupid question. I think that's a good question. Thank you. <laughs> As I stall. Um, <laughs> no, um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't think necessarily he thinks that. Maybe from a fan perspective, we're feeling that pressure because we're kind of a little bit less sure of Kerstad now that is he going to recover fully? Is he going to, does the lost time going to impact his development? All that. But for, as far as Elias is concerned, he's such a. <laughs> like a guy that just goes by the program goes, he's got his algorithm and he's going by it. He's, you know, I think he just looks at it as let's get as much talented guys in here as possible. And whichever ones are going to make it, are going to make it. Yeah. And I would think, yeah, I guess just to follow up real quick and Josh, then you can ask your question. Cause my thinking is what, if he goes under slot, like part of that is he went under slot with Hessen Kirsten. He didn't take who everyone thought he would take the next guy on the board. And so I wonder if, and that's why kind of you open up yourself for criticism when you don't take the next highest red guy on the board. And so if Khalil Watson's sitting there at five and it goes, you know, the Colton Kalizer route, the college bat route for underslot, and it doesn't work out for some reason. And Khalil Watson does work out combined with what happened last year. It could, it could kind of snowball, but if he takes the obvious pick and it misses still, well, then everyone can say, well, that was clearly the best guy to pick. I don't know. Josh, go ahead. Well, no, no, I yeah, think, it's a very good point. I think it's more with the more, of the Kerstead question for this week is more of when you're picking players based on position needs and projecting this team down the road is, is Kerstead part of this future or is there enough concern that he might not be able to play baseball that you need to replace him in your draft pick? Well, obviously, you know, it's a pretty serious issue with the heart. You never know. But Eduardo Rodriguez had the same issue for the Red Sox last year, and he's back pitching pretty effectively this year. So I think 
I think you got to write off 2021, at least for him, and then just hope he comes in fully healthy for next season. And hopefully you can fast track him a little bit in the beginning or he'll eventually catch up. But I think at this point you can still plan on him long term. You just can't plan on him being here this year short term. And 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 let's be honest, when Elias is drafting his players, I don't think he cares at all as far as where we have a lot of guys, right? Like I don't think he cares that we have a great catcher. I don't think he cares that we have a, you know, a center fielder in, in Mullins. I don't think he cares about that. I think he just wants to, at this point, acquire as much talent as possible. Right. And then it'll, it'll all sh- sh- shuffle out. Yeah. You always hear him talk about that talent pipeline and Matt blood kind of echoed that sentiment on our podcast tonight as well. Uh, yeah. I think you saw an influx of shortstops over the past couple of years with Gunnar Henderson, Jordan Westberg, the list goes on. Um, yeah. I think, they're willing to move guys around. Like I think Henderson and Westberg and Joey Ortiz, these guys have played all over the infield, even center field, Taron Vavra playing some center field. I think they're looking to just get the best athletes and hitters and just move them where you where get in where you fit in and uh, just get those bats in the lineup. Yeah. Joke about kind of how everyone's a shortstop in high school. Right. And then, cause they're the best athlete, obviously. And then as they get higher up, they tend to move move around a lot. Is Khalil Watson, if we go with him at number five, Khalil Watson, does he look like a guy who's going to stick at shortstop? It does appear that that is the case. He's an exceptional athlete, super fast. He's got power in the bat, but he's not a big guy. So at least, you know, maybe he goes through a late life growth spurt, but it uh, seems like he should be able to stick there defensively. I don't think that's much of a question. <laughs> is there is there a guy the Orioles could pick? And, and I think from what you said, there's kind of they're going to, there's going to be a couple options no matter how it falls out it's going to be a couple options orders could go with is there and every time I see a mock it's like I have they have them taking someone else so um, I think it's going to be pretty wide open but is there someone that they could pick Bob where you'd be like oh I wish they didn't go with that guy yeah there if they do go the underslot you know the Orioles always go underslot even though Elias has only been here for two drafts um, <laughs> if if they do go that route and it's anyone other than Colton Kowser, I would be a little a little miffed uh, you mm. know the other options are Sal Frelick, another outfielder in college from Boston College he's doesn't have much power. He's a really frail looking guy who he's got a good hit tool, but not much else. Matt McLean, a smallish shortstop, probably end up at second base. Harry Ford, a high school catcher, which I don't like the idea of that necessarily. So that's when I would be a little bit puzzled and asking some questions. If they do take anyone that's outside of that top seven or eight and it's not Colton Kowser, that's when I'd be worried. Mm, okay. So would you be okay with a Kumar rocker? I would definitely be okay with the Kumar Rocker because Elias typically, it seems like, shies away from pitchers high up in the draft. So if he's confident enough to take him at that point, I feel like then they have good enough reason. Yeah. I mean, I think the fact that we still need pitching is good enough reason. I mean, we've got a couple guys in our farm system that we feel good about, but a whole lot of question marks down there. Right. And just to be clear on how this works, boys and girls, because the under slot, if you go under slot, um, it doesn't mean like you're being cheap, right? Like you go under slot so you can then, cause you only get a certain allotment to spend draft cat capital. And so if you go under slot, it's so you can spend more money. And the thinking is Bob, right? It, there's a player in high school that might go to college, but if you can entice them by giving him more money, um, then you can get him to stay. And the only way to have more money is if you go under slot with your top pick, right? Exactly. So 
Yeah, it, like you said, if there's a high school guy who, like Jack Leiter, two years ago, the Yankees took him, and there's a chance he could he could have gone with the Yankees if they were willing to pay him enough money, but they didn't, I guess, go under slot enough earlier in the draft. But, yeah, if there's a guy who it looks like he's probably going to go to college, but maybe we can talk him out of it, I think you're in communication with his agent beforehand to figure out that number before you do anything drastic. But Or even if there's, like, a draft-eligible college sophomore or junior who's coming off a bit of an injury or a down year and they don't get a high enough pick or enough money they could just go back to, to college again for another year and try to improve on their stock. Yeah, you're basically just trying to save money with that pick to spend later, so it's not really being cheap. Yeah, because, yeah, you're going to spend all your money one way or the other. Um, is there is there, like, how much of this is depending upon, like, other teams do this too, right? Like, we talk about the Orioles going under slot. Um, did, did Josh just leave? Good. Um, <laughs> but other teams go under slot too, right? Like we talk about the Orioles talking about Colton, Colton Cowles or whatever. Is there a chance in the top four um, that another team goes under slot or, or, or no? Is that not being t- talked about at all? I haven't seen that much. I mean, it would be a surprise to me if they did. I think maybe, you know, there's talk of a Jackson Job. He's the top high school pitcher. Some people think he is just enough potential as Jack Leiter and Kumar Rocker, but obviously high school pitcher much more risky than a college one. Maybe if the Tigers took him at three, that would they would be able to get him for a little bit under slot. But, uh, no, I haven't heard too much of that. Okay. Khalil Watson's 18. Mm, that's... That's wild to me, taking a guy that's so, so far along. Um, Josh, welcome back. Yeah, some, uh, I guess, internet problems or something down here. Yeah. Not sure. Yeah. Um, hey, what's, dude, I maybe you don't know this, Bob. If they're drafted this year, um, I know, I, I believe when, when the year that Adley Rutschman was drafted, he may have played for Aberdeen that year for a little bit. Um, if players are drafted in July, is there a chance we could see any of these players playing actual professional baseball at any point this season, or are they going to be put on ice for next year? We did talk to Matt about this for a little bit tonight. It sounds like, you know, if they get drafted, they get signed, they'll do some intake, they'll do some stuff down at Sarasota, and then maybe they'll get some time in like the GCL type rookie league just to get their feet wet in professional setting. But really they'd be setting them up to start at either, you know, Aberdeen or Delmarva next season. Well, especially this year when the draft is so yeah. late. Right, exactly. Yeah. I mean, we see a bunch of guys right from last year's draft in that GCL league now, right? Well, actually, I think Kobe Mayo is the only one. Oh, the only he one. was a high school pick that we saved money. We only had six picks last right. year. so And a lot of them were like college shortstops who started at Delmarva and Carter Baumler was injured. Uh, so he's missing this year. But Kobe Mayo or Mayo however you say it, is uh, he's in FCL right now. He just started, and he's off to a great start. But he's a power-hitting third baseman, high school guy. All right. Um, Bob, let, let me ask you one more question about the draft. Um, sure. And that's – so Khalil Watson, I like him too. I've been reading some stuff about Khalil Watson. I'm a fan of his too. Um, if we don't go Khalil Watson, for you, who's the, kind of the, the next guy? If we don't get him or if he goes not, not number four, who's the next guy on your list? Assuming would, it's Mayer, Lawler, and Leiter at the top. And let's say Watson goes nut, nut, number four. Who's number five for you in that situation? See, I would be between Colton Kowser at that point. I do think if that is the four, 
then maybe Colton Kowser at underslot is the pick because I think he plays a Sam Houston State. So it's like, you know, not against top elite competition, but he has the best batting average against pitches 97 miles per hour or faster. Seems like he's really got the tools. It's just more about the level of competition that's keeping him down a little bit. Or you go Brady House, the fourth-rated high school shortstop who will probably end up with as third baseman. But he's got some serious power and a great hit tool as well. So I'd be between House and Kowser, and I'd probably just see what options lie ahead in, like, the second round that I could maybe get for uh, overslot. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Hey, um, Josh, you have any more draft questions? I want to ask Bob one question about no, this organization. All right. Go ahead. Bob, can I ask you just an organizational question about our minors and stuff? So, of course. Uh, yeah, I like I'm going to. Yeah, even you said no, I'm still <laughs> asking. Um, I, I talked last week on here. I just lately I've been kind of depressed about the Orioles. Um, and if you think about it, and, and let me phrase this question, because I listen to, to The Verge every week, too, Bob. I really enjoy your show. And Thank you. you. But you guys are, and I, I don't mean this as a knock, but you guys are so freaking optimistic. And I and I watch the Major League Squad, and I listen to your podcast. I'm like, are we watching? Are we paying? Are we paying attention to two of the same team? And so, no. <laughs> it, it, yeah, we're not. We're literally watching different players. But but if if I think about this thing, right? And and let's say 2023. Let me circle 2023. Like that'd be the start of, of year number five, I think, in the Michael Elias re, 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 rebuild. I circle that 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 year, and it's hard for me to even be excited about 2023 because I think about it in, in, in our outfield. Um, I don't know who's coming. Austin Hayes has not shown the ability to stay healthy. Cedric Mullins is great. Outside of that, Santander has not stayed either consistent or healthy. You look at our infield, it seems like maybe a Westberg or a Gunner may be here in 2023. If they are, it's going to be kind of their, their first year. Um, we've seen players struggle, right, in their first year in the majors. Um, and those, I think, are they're far away enough that there's still a lot of unknowns there. If you look at, I know our catch will be great, but having one great player doesn't make you a great team. If you look at our pitching staff, okay, even if Grayson Rodriguez turns into be a stud, which, by the way, I watched, I'm sorry, this is a long setup for my question. Yeah. I watched Dylan Bundy and Kevin Gossman be studs in the minors too. I saw Dylan Bundy go on a streak of not giving up any runs. He was after the stud. Um, so I'm skeptical, but let's say Grayson Rodriguez turns out to be a great starter along with John Means, who again has had health concerns outside of that. Who do you got? So if you tell me that you got Rodriguez, DL Hall, Cobb Bradish, I would say just kind of based on my experience, what I've seen, there's a chance that one of those guys turns into a really good starter. One of those guys turns into a really good bullpen arm. And one of those guys either stays hurt or is inconsistent or doesn't just work out. And so outside of that, outside of those kind of three guys, I don't know who we have. It seems like we have a bunch of Keegan Aikens, Dean Kramer types. And I was so optimistic for Dean Kramer, and he's really struggled. Um, I was excited for Zach Lothar. He struggled. Alex Wells has been inconsistent. I look at these other guys. I know there's another crop coming. And I just think of the Calvary we had back in the day. I know Kevin Smith is coming, but again, he, I throw him into the Dean Kramer category. Like, I'm just, I'm, and if you don't have starting pitching, I don't know if you can do this. And so if you just have John Means and Grace Rodriguez, along with kind of our offense, I don't know. We get, I just, from where I'm looking at it, Bob, we have a ton of holes in this organization. And I don't know if there's enough good minor leaguers to fill all the holes that we have. Am I wrong, Bob? <laughs> Uh, I'm sorry. Can you repeat the question? <laughs> no, I can't. <laughs> no. Um, 
No, I totally understand what you're saying. We are definitely more on the optimistic side. I know I've always just been more optimistic in general, but, and sorry to bring it up again, but Matt, he, Matt Blood, we literally just talked to him. He, <laughs> he repeatedly said, we have done a great job of low, uh, raising the floor of the system. So mm. I think the goal and the idea is, yeah, say, okay, Grayson Rodriguez, he's your, your ace starter. D.L. Hall ends up being your closer, and Kyle Bradish gets hurt or ineffective and kind of washes out. Well, then I think what they want with this talent pipeline is to have Vex. It's just constantly going to be rotating. So maybe you get a good reliever, a good starter, and a washout of each group. Or, you know, I think they just want depth and they want people to jump up and stand out. And they know that they're not all going to work. But the idea is that enough will work to fill out the roster and make us a competitive team. And hopefully by then we'll be able to spend a little bit of money. And that, and that's what we know. We know that this team also has to spend money. No one has ever made it without spending money and did 100% in-house farm. Yeah, I guess our AAA pitchers... Right. Our triple A pitchers don't seem very good. And that doesn't that doesn't leave me a lot of hope for for next year, right? It seems like our best pitching prospects are two and three and four years away. But is that true? Is that true that the best pitching prospects are just in the lower leagues? Or that when these kind of mid-level prospects make it up to Norfolk by the time they get there, the competition's harder and they just are struggling more. Like is Alex Wells, if he was, if he was in Delmarva, this is a, I know a, a really hard question to ask, but if Alex Wells was in Delmarva, would he be, you know, ranked as high as, I don't know, Zach Peak or one of these other kind of starters that, that we like who's younger. Yeah. I mean, it's possible, but it's also, you know, the age like Alex Wells is like 24 years old now. So yeah. he's, it's a little bit different, but I understand what you're saying. Um, I actually think Kyle Bradish, uh, Matt Blood puts him right up there with Grayson Rodriguez and D.L. Hall when you listen to him talk. He literally thinks that they're on the same level. He thinks his stuff is so good. So that's wow. exciting. Yeah. But, yeah. I feel like the Orioles keep everyone at buoy. And, like, Norfolk is more of, like, their supply house for when someone get injured, gets injured. We just lose Bob for a second. Or, so. or, did, or did we lose me? I was trying to figure out if I got knocked off. I guess it was Bob this time got knocked off. Um, I right, yeah. comes back. I mean, I mean, Matt, you've been to a couple of Bay Sox games. Yeah. And it seems like that's where pitchers or whatever, that's where the stars are right now. And yeah. the guys that we keep, all the excitement is with guys in Bowie and below. Right. Nor- Norfolk, where that. Who, who are you excited about in Norfolk? Jemai Jones? Well, well, he mentioned Kyle Bradish, and I mean, right, Bob mentioned Kyle Bradish, and yeah, that's what he said about. Yeah, and he's a star. But, but um, yeah, that, I guess that's it with Bob. I'm sorry, we didn't get a chance to uh, have a good goodbye with him. I mean, yeah. that was our, my, that was the last question, our last kind of discussion point, but we'll see uh, if, if he comes Bob back. Bob we, we we appreciate you coming on the, on Section 3 to 6. And yeah, everyone, if you haven't checked out The Verge, the and. Tr- yeah, and give Bob a follow over on Twitter. He's at the Oriole Report. Yep, um, and on the Verge is their podcast. It's good stuff. Yep. Um, yeah, so that's um, and again, and if, listen, if you're depressed about the Orioles, go listen to their, their podcast because the minors. There's a lot to be optimistic about. Or just go to a Bay Sox game. Yeah, that's I guess the Bay Sox have been struggling a little bit recently. Though, hey, I Josh, know. you know this week they're giving away the Austin Hayes glove man. The 
Yeah. The Top Gun, Austin Yeah, I, I think I've got a hook up for it. I've been trying. All right. I don't really want to go to a game this week. And it's just, it's the first hundred. So that means like waiting in a line. Yeah. I'm, I'm not trying that. to quit in lines. I've got a, uh, if someone wants. And to, I already got one. <laughs> yeah. That's if someone reason. wants to pick one up for me, I will trade you. Uh, it's not in this room. I don't know. He's some guy for the, that I picked up at the uh, Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp. I got, I got a bobblehead there. All right, I'll nice. trade you that guy. Yeah. I'm sure they'll go for that. I think it's Mason McCoy. Maybe. No, that's uh, that an Oriole guy. That's an Oriole guy. So, right, and I don't know Mason something. No, but all right. uh, it's all good. All right. Um, let's see. So yeah, Bob just said that his router reset, so he had a power issue. Okay, so, that's fine. Uh, we'll just we move on. Yeah. But but we we have the draft on Sunday. I, I really, by the way, um, I'm a huge fan of. <laughs> This kind of weekend. Hey, Bob, welcome back. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> no, that, that's okay. I'm a, I'm a huge fan. I don't know, Bob, your thoughts on this. Um, I'm a huge fan on just coming at the draft real quick. This this All Star Game uh, draft weekend. Um, I just think how they're setting it up, dedicating kind of more time to focus on why there's not any games going on uh, to have the All Star Game while you also have the draft happening on Sunday. I'm a fan of this. Is this you think, Bob, is this setup? Is there information that this setup is here to stay, or is this a one-year type thing? We'll go back to June next year. You know, I'm not sure, but I kind of like it too. I wouldn't be mad about it if they kept it this way. You know, keep all the attention on these extracurriculars, and then during the season, you let the play speak for itself. It's it's got to be here to stay. It, it just makes way too much benefit to wait till after the World Series, College World Series, and let's get real. Baseball wants what the NFL has. The NFL draft weekend is this huge thing. Baseball draft has never been a big deal. They want some of that excitement. And you're not going to get that by a bunch of folding tables on the MLB studio lot. You're going to get it by getting all this other stuff and getting the home run derby and the all-star game all built around this big celebration. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and I know baseball is trying hard to to give more coverage to the draft and stuff. I know they, they had this... I don't know. I didn't watch it, but I heard about this prospect kind of workout thing that was playing on MLB network um, where they invited a lot of prospects out. I don't think, I don't think any of the top ones came, but, um, and I, and I think, I think they're trying to make it. I mean, we see this happen in football. I mean, the, the draft is a huge event and it's hard to replicate that in baseball. Um, even with, and yeah, thanks to draft combine, even with the draft combine, just because, I mean, in, in the NFL, you've been watching these college players, right? No one has seen, or Michael Elias probably has seen it a bunch, but not very many people have seen Khalil Watson play, right, in person very often right. um, or televised very often. And so it's hard. And, and it's hard, too, right? Because even if you get excited about Khalil Watson and you read all about him, Congratulations with the Orioles, and in five years, <laughs> you'll, you'll see him. It's not like in the, in, in the NFL, Trevor Lawrence, you know, Josh will be watching him play in his back, uh, there in Jacksonville week he's one. Today. Uh, yeah, week one, and these players just take so long right. um, to get here. Like, I'm already tired of talking about the Rutschman arriving this in Baltimore. Is part of, but this is part of what baseball is trying to do with the futures game and everything, to grow excitement, and, and by scaling the minor leagues down this past year, to try to put more attention on the minor leagues. What I don't understand that baseball is doing is it is starts on a Sunday at 7 p.m. at night. I get they're trying to wait until every baseball game is on pause, but like 
football does it smart. They start on a Friday night, then they pour into Saturday and the Sunday. They're starting Sunday night at seven. All right, we'll all watch Sunday night. But are you going to turn the draft on on Monday at one? Are you going to turn the draft on that Tuesday at noon? I, I don't understand that move. Yeah, I I definitely agree. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Josh, Bob's watching the, the day two of the draft. Is anyone else watching day two of the draft, though? Really? Well, no, no, but nobody normally watches day one of the draft. So yeah, I guess it's the small steps of baseball is trying, by doing it Sunday night, by doing it in Denver, I assume that means they're going to bring some all-stars on and stuff and try to take advantage of people who are in town. Well, no one's going to be in town Sunday night. Right. No players. Right, but, uh, be on. right. So I guess it'll just be execs, but they're going to try to build into this excitement on a Sunday night. So maybe we at least in Baltimore will have a more people watching than normal for day one for Sunday night. But you're right; no one's going to care after that. I personally think that <laughs> baseball could do better job of like speeding up the process of getting players to the major leagues. I personally don't think that these guys really need as long as they always get down there. There's, I feel like there really was too many teams as much as it sucks to, you know, players lose jobs because there's not as much many teams. It's like the, hopefully in the new CBA, you know, they, uh, there's not as much time manipulation and, we can get these guys. I don't know. I just feel like you see guys come up like Fernando Tatis, all these teenagers, they come up and they start hitting right away. Yep. Obviously they are sensational talents and well, better, but. And it wasn't that long ago that like Ben McDonald started at 19 for the order. And if, if Adley Rutschman came up today, he'd be the best catcher on the team. And I'm sure he would hold his own, maybe put up like a 700 OPS mid sevens. So right. he, a good chance to all-star talk. Right, but but is, is there, and here's a question, is there, because they say development, is there, and I know there's development occurring, like, obviously, but is there development happening at Bowie that could not be happening with the Orioles? I agree. Yeah, I don't know. I think he'd still be playing every day if he was with the Orioles, and obviously he'd be getting better. Maybe he wouldn't come out of the gates with a 900 OPS and be the all-star that everyone wants him to be, but, I mean, that's part of it. I feel like get these guys up here and have them be a free agent after a certain age. So then you get them up when they're good enough to be up and then they uh, develop from there. Well, what these, what this long development time and these farm systems do is what they really do is help the teams that like the Yankees and the Red Sox, the teams with the money, the teams that are always spending because they can have a full team ready to go in the minors for when they need them to come up. It's that's why it's probably part of why you see so much parody in the NFL because a draft can really change a team completely. We've seen that with the Jaguars this year with how much the draft is going to change them from last year to this year. You don't see that in baseball because of the long term. Well, yeah, you you never see, you rarely see a team go from the bottom of division. I know that Red Sox, it doesn't recently in AL East sometimes, but you rarely see kind of a first to worst type situation in baseball, right? Not not unless it's injuries that drop you to the bottom. Yeah. Yeah. Or you just go wild and free agency or something. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. All right. Hey, Bob, well, thanks for coming on and chatting with us about the draft and this organization. It's been fun. Yeah. I appreciate you having me on. I love the show. Big fan of you guys for a while now. And sorry, my internet crapped out on me there for a second. And then I showed up unannounced for a second time, but uh, that's all right. We, we signed you off. Then you came back on and we'll sign you off again. It's cool. <laughs> all right. Well, I appreciate it guys. All right, follow, yeah, follow thanks, Bob, Bob at the Oriole Report over on Twitter. See you, Bob. All right, good, 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 good stuff there. Where's your Bay Sox shirt? 
Is that what I should? Bob and I got our Baysox shirts on, and you don't have a Baysox shirt on. I should. I have my. I have my Adley Rutschman from Darmar. I missed out Adley Rutschman t-shirt night in Aberdeen. If he has a t-shirt, I have my Adley Rutschman t-shirt in from Darmarva. I have it from Bowie. Um, and now when he goes to Norfolk, I have to make the drive to Norfolk and get my Nor- Norfolk Adley Rushman t-shirt. I guarantee, I guarantee the Iron Birds are selling an Adley Rushman shirt. I don't know. Uh, I think I think they only sell them when they're there. And the Bowie Bay Sox is hit or miss because when you went, when I went there last time, it was sold out. Though really? shout out to the person behind the counter because I had to. I brought in my Adley Rushman shirt to exchange the size, um, and she's they were all sold out. But she said she she was hiding one of each size behind the counter, and so she swapped it out for me. Oh, so that's nice. Yeah, yeah, it was nice of her. Maybe, maybe she can swap mine out, too. Is yours too... What, what, what's the response with it? It's too small? I'm just kidding. I think it, I, no, I think it was too big. Oh, then I should swap with you, because I, I had a large, an extra large. I gave you the extra large. I kept the large. Oh, okay. The large was... It was cut real small, I felt like. Like, I didn't know if you even need a, a 2XL. I, I don't know. I wear smaller shirts than you, I think. All right. But it was oh, cut good. small. Okay. Did you try it on? It's cut pretty small. No, I, I've been wearing it. It's good. It's All good. Right. I think it's, it's cut XL, pretty small. Which, I, it surprised me, but it fit fine. Isn't it cut small? I don't know about that. No, it's cut small. Josh, compare that shirt, that XL shirt, to a large shirt you have. I bet it's the same size. All right, I'll compare it. This is a large shirt. I'll find it after the show and compare it and check it out. Okay, thank you. I bet they're the same size. I'll put money on it. All right. I hope so, because it was uh, cut small. All right. Um, Josh, did we miss anything that this past week we saw? Hey, Josh, who do you want to see? <laughs> I mean, we talked about Cedric Mullins to start the show. Pumped for him. It was yeah. cool to see him come in and hit the game winning home run. And then yeah. it was in the game winning home run. Right. That, that was cool. Um, the day he was announced as an all star. Um, but I mean, we, we talk about it all day. The turnaround for Cedric Mullins in 2019 when he was sent down, not just to Norfolk, but to Bowie. And yeah. it, we thought his career was over. We thought it was over. Oh, pretty sure he was done. Yeah, done. Project Bowie. 2020, whatever, you know, Project Bowie. And then this year, um, where, you know, when you, we're talking about an outfield, we're talking about Austin Hayes as our center fielder of the future. No yeah. one's talking about Cedric Mullins. Now, I mean, this team I is would, like kind of built around Cedric Mullins now. I would go to every minor league pit player and say, you're no longer allowed to switch it. Focus <laughs> on one side of the plate. Yeah, it makes you wonder. From both sides, because I really think we've seen that make a big impact for Mullins. And when you think about it, the fact is his batting practice was always split between one side and then the other side. So that means he has to learn the ball coming in from two different sides, swings from two different sides. It's impressive when you can do that, but how much does that hurt you than really focusing on one side? Right, and he's hit really well, like uh, over 300 against lefties this year. And as a left-handed hitter, um, and it does make you wonder because you see guys with splits too. And I, like, I don't know, looking at other switch hitters on team like Santander, um, like looking at their at their splits, are they better at right or lefty? Certainly, it makes sense to do to if you're going to switch to be a lefty because you just see more right-handed pitchers than left-handed pitchers, um, and lefties tend to do better against right-handed pitchers. Um, but yeah, but that's I mean, but that's not it's not just about that, right? Because it didn't because Cedric Mullins is just no, I think that's made a big impact. It's made a big impact, but yeah. yeah. Um well whatever the reason is, Cedric Mullins now has turned into um our lone representative all-star, the only one who deserved to be an all-star, yes. and right now the best player in our team. Right. So <laughs> speaking of that team, who excites you most when you look at this infield? Uh Liba? 
over at third base, Valeka at second base, Urias at shortstop, or uh, Severino and Wynn behind the plate. We got, yeah. to see, we got to see Leba's first career home run. Yeah, I, I'm okay with Libya. Uh, Urias is, I guess, if out of those guys, he excites me the most as a potential guy who could hang on. Um, the, the, I mean, but not as the, a shortstop, as like as a utility guy. Utility guy, yeah, yeah, like a bench guy. Yeah, he he hits the ball hard, man. He hits line drives. It seems like he always making hard contact. Um, Lebia, his minor league numbers are kind of off the charts. And then, um, so I, I'm actually I like Lebia. I like the fact that he's here. I want to see like a larger sample size of Lebia because he's shown he can put up numbers in Norfolk uh, or Triple A also with, I think it was Arizona before. So like, I want to see a larger extent of him and this is kind of the team to do it. Let him play third base or whatever. Second on a consistent basis. Uh, Valeka. Uh, no, like I, 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 if, I that's when I go up and go to the bathroom and he's up at bat. No, yeah. I, don't, I don't want to do Valeka. Yeah. Um, I've been done with Valeka a long time ago. So, yeah. And, and so those guys, I'm okay with Lebia. Um, and yeah, I'm curious to Josh. We approached the All-Star game this week, right? Um, or I guess, actually, I mean, technically next, next week, week or whatever. Yeah, we'll be doing the show, another show before the All-Star game. Yeah, because it's next Tuesday. Um, but, I, I mean, we're past the halfway point of the season as far as games-wise. We are. And I think it's going to be be interesting to see um, what happens with Pedro Severino Michael Franco, these guys who will not be here next year. There's no scenario where right. Pedro Severino is here next year. There's no scenario where Michael Franco is here next year. But, I would even also, say Padraleka. There's very few chances he's here next year. But also no scenario where you can trade these guys. You're right. With them. Exactly. And they're not tradable. You can throw, make the same argument maybe for Matt Harvey, right? Yeah. Um, where there's no scenario where he's here next year and he's untradable. So what do you do? Like, why are they still here if you cannot trade them and they're not going to be here next year? Right. Unless, like, you just don't have anyone to play that position, which I don't think is true for any of those guys. Well, and I wonder how much it is saving the time clock on these guys. No, no, no. Stuff up because I don't think that I don't think that makes any sense, especially with see, the new CBA is what a year away. Yes, yeah, next year. Right, so that's going to change everything with the time clock. And that only makes sense to me if you're talking about these top 100 prospects you think are going to be all-stars and great right. players. not for Jemiah Jones. No, like Jemiah Jones, you hope it works out and you hope he becomes a good player. I, th- I think the fact that we've been wanting Jemiah, and by the way, Jemiah Jones is already, his, if you want to talk about the clock, he's already played in the majors for, for Los Angeles last year. But, but if, but, 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 this notion of starting a clock, I think, is is a bit silly because Jemai Jones. I think this has to do with all the outrage that has been caught up that we built in our minds that Jemai Jones is like he's not a top one hundred prospect. Oh. He's he's not an all perennial all star. He's 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 a guy it's who we don't know. He, well, well, and I think it's he's the, he's the, the the guy that deserves to be here, right? But but has not been here because they say they're working on his defense at second. Though last night I saw him starting over there at left field, so I don't know how you're working your defense at second when he's playing left field. But whatever. Um, but he's the guy that is putting up really good numbers, and he's young and kind of exciting. Um, and so I think that's part of the reason why people have kind of. I mean, it's almost like we saw with Cedric Mullins uh, when he replaced Adam Jones. Where there's all this hype up for you know Adam Jones' replacement, Cedric Mullins, and then Cedric Mullins turned out to be not very good. But then, spoiler alert, later he turned out to be 
really good, maybe even better than Adam Jones. Right. I just don't know <laughs> if you can. I, oh, you're putting it out there better than Adam Jones. That's a this little year's early. That's a little early. That's statistically, a little early, if he does what he did in the first half, the second half, it would be a better year than Adam Jones has Never ever had, had just for yeah. a single season. Now, the longevity of Adam Jones's career, Mullins yeah. is a far way off. Right, right. Yeah. And Scott's pointing out over in the chat that Cedric had too much pressure early on. Uh, that's, that's, yeah, yeah, I think I, that's fair. I don't know how much of fair. that pressure was fair that was put on Cedric Mullins, but yeah, they, Adam Jones promoted him as the replacement and yeah. the leader of the clubhouse. Yeah, and, and that's pressure. Um, yeah, and, and he was never – Mullins – I love Mullins. I love him. And he was never a top 100 guy. Like, he was never a, our top prospect in our farm system, right? Like, oh. he was he was the second half of our top 30 list. Like, he was never um, – uh, he was never the top guy. So, I think it, it shows – like, we talk a lot about, you know, prospect lists, and we talk a lot about, about you know, who we're going to take – you know, number five in the draft, and whoever we take will be immediately on our top 100 list, uh, the top 100 prospect list, I would imagine. But, but it, it doesn't translate necessarily to to being an all star or making it because it's just such a long grind. And I love to see players like John Means, right? Our two best players, John Means, Cedric Mullins. You can even throw Trey Mancini to this. Guys who were not super highly touted in the minors, but just kept on grinding and grinding, and it finally clicked for them. Um, and so it's, I don't know, it's, it's fun. That's, what's great about baseball. It's just, it's a very cool thing Starting to wonder about McKenna. Like I'm starting to really like McKenna's defense in the outfield and his speed. And I'm wondering like, will that bat finally click at some point for McKenna that he can be a valuable part of this? Yeah. And that's, and maybe this is what Bob was talking about a little bit as far as raising the whole floor, right? Because Ryan McKenna's floor, I feel it could be the speedy fourth outfielder, fifth outfielder. But his ceiling, if everything kind of clicks, and you're right, Josh, he's shown some of these spurts of power, and he's still young, where he could turn into be kind of a regular outfielder. Yeah, and he's, um, yeah, he's yeah. definitely, when we talk about that projections and all, it definitely feels like McKenna is up in the majors a little too early. And, and yeah, but, sure. but he's learning at that, he's learning in the, in the majors. He's learning at that high level. Yeah. And, and I, think, that, I think we saw the same with, with how they treated Ryan Mountcastle. They brought him up once they said, all right, you can't learn anymore at Norfolk. Come up here. And we saw him struggle. And then he was what, player of the month last month? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Incredible month of June. There was no one better than him. Forget about rookies, just kind of in baseball. And, I mean, McKenna and Mountcastle are obviously at kind of different levels of kind of talent and ceiling. Yeah. But but it's, it's a fair point, Josh. But what I want to see from the Orioles going forward is if you're going to have McKenna here with the Orioles – and he's a young player, and he's got potential. I want to see McKenna play every day. Like it was fun to see him I bat lead off, yes, um, on Sunday. But I, I, I don't want to see him coming in as your defensive replacement. Um, so, like, I want to see him in the lineup every day. No, I agree. I want to see more of McKenna because I'm all about development right now. And I think I hate to say it, but I think I'm done with TJ Stewart. I think I don't really see. I think he might have hit his ceiling with this team already. Yeah. Okay. Use, I, I like. Let's. We're gonna use ceiling and floor through the rest of this podcast. Same I mean, times we can use it. But but no, I, um, I agree. Like this was, and we talked about it preseason. This is a kind of a make or break year for 
for DJ Stewart yeah. because we have so many talented other center fielders coming up. And we weren't talking a lot about Ryan McKenna, even though he was. Like, Mike Elias obviously liked Ryan McKenna because he put him on the 40-man roster in the offseason. And there were other guys who warranted, I think, that spot who could have argued that they deserved to be in that 40-man spot. But he put Ryan McKenna, which surprised some people. But it showed how much he liked how, how much Michael Ice liked Ryan McKenna to put him on the 40-man. Right. Um, but but you're right. Like, DJ Stewart's time is running out. And now I think we're seeing now, right, he's getting less and less at-bats. And I would imagine the second half, Santander has not played well enough to be traded. I, I, we'll see what Trey Mancini goes anywhere. But it seems like using now Diaz is now healthy playing every day at Norfolk. You're right. Like, how many more opportunities will DJ Stewart have at this point in his career? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, yeah, and especially, you're right, for the second half, especially when we get into September time frame and they want to bring up some more of these outfielders because there are guys that deserve to see and I, what they can do. I love DJ Stewart. I'm a DJ Stewart guy. I like his bat and eye. I just like him as a person. I, I like his stockiness. I like this. I like that he's deceptively fast. I like yeah. that sometimes he does silly stuff in the outfield. I like I like DJ Stewart a lot. Um, and so it makes me sad to say this, but we saw this year, Josh, um, a similar situation. I think with Chance Cisco, and and this was, um, I think Chance Cisco was a first round guy like DJ Stewart. Um, a guy who kind of got chance after chance to perform, pardon the pun, but just didn't work out with Francisco. DFA, New York Mets picked him up. I think DJ Stewart, right, by the end of the season, next year at the latest, if he doesn't kind of change, right, if this is who he is, we could see DJ go the Francisco route. Okay, yeah, I agree with you that. And shout out to I just shook you in the chat room. Help me out with all these draft picks. Impressive. You oh, did. yeah, with the round. Uh, Cisco was, was the second round of that high catcher draft year. And then he also chimed in that Mancini was eighth round, Means was 11th round, and Mullins was 13th round. Yeah, think about that. We, we spent this whole kind of conversation with Bob talking about who the Orioles would take the first round. Um, yet, you know, arguably the top three players in our team were taken in the eighth round and later. Um, I, I, that's, that's pretty cool. Um, on the Orioles' part, yeah, it's pretty cool to see that. Yeah, yeah, no, that's really cool. Um, I'm sorry, we Josh, we're running out of time here. I just, I'm just, yeah, I'm I just chatting saw. away. I know, I know, you had a ball bag. Yeah. You want to get the ball, ball bag oh. or save it? It's up to you. All right, let, 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 let's do some ball bag. We'll, we'll do it rapid fire style. Pew pew. It's just a ball bag, ball bag, ball bag, a ball bag, my friend. Hey, ball bag. How you doing? It's it's Monday night. The Orioles aren't playing. Let's go. We'll, we'll do an hour and fifteen tonight. I don't care. All right. Yeah. Let's get through a little ball bag because we do got some questions in. All right. First one up. If we have any ball bag questions, if we don't have any questions, right. we don't need to do it. First one up. Where's the Zany but Rody? Well, he was just on. He's changed his name to <laughs> right. Bob in the witness protection program. Um, and he learned a lot about the miners. Whatever that, if that was, if that was Bert, that's the most uh, knowledge he's ever had on this show. Yeah. No, we, we hope to have, uh, you know, we'll be back in a couple of weeks. Yeah. We'll get him yeah. On for some stuff. Uh, when we're in the outer banks in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Hey, hey, listen, we, we are, um, what, what did a, what did a reviewer once say about us? Where, um, what's the adjective that they used? Um, not consistent legacy, persistent, not legacy. Um, persistent word. Dedicated, I think. Oh, dedicated, that's the word. Um, but no, Bert does not have kind of that Cal Ripken like 
dedication to come in here week in and week out um, and, and, and do the show. So, so he's out of here. But yeah. but it's fun to meet new listeners because you're you're a real OG you're you're a real co- coconut if you remember episodes with Bert Rohde and right. Bert Story well, we, Time and all that nonsense. But we also enjoy people that come up to us and have no clue who Bert is. Yeah, that makes especially, me happy. especially if Bert is with us. That's a whole lot of fun. Yeah, that makes me happy. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, what else? Next, next up, are the Orioles still on pace for 2023? Man, I, I I with my really long ranting question to Bob, I was touching yeah. on this, but I, I don't know anymore. Right. I, I mean. It's all it's all based on us hitting 500 next year, right? Yeah, well, not or at least yeah, getting in that range, right? Getting in the competitive yeah. range, and then there's going to be like I think this is a big off season to see what Michael Elias does. Is, is Michael Elias going to spend any money in free agency on a longer term deal than one year? Is he going to bring any real talent free agency wise? I think we'll get insight where Michael Elias sees this team. Um, and if he doesn't, which I think is very possible that Michael Elias, again, spends no money in free agency or just does these little one-year deals, um, I mean, Rutschman will be here in 2023. Rodriguez will be here in 2023. Right. Hall will probably be here in 2023. Braddish will be here in 2023. A lot of our top players will be here in 2023. Um, but I don't know, Josh. I don't know. I'm, I'm, All right. Two, two years ago, I was very confident about my 2023 prediction. This year, I'm feeling it. less confident. We got to stick with it. Though we right. do sell shirts out to 2027. Okay. So, if you're not yes. so, so pick your you year and buy your shirt. Yeah. All right. Uh, who do you want to see get called up in September? Oh, uh, who do I? You. Who do I think or who do I want? Who do you want? Who okay. do you want? Realistically, Adley Rutschman. So, Is that I, realistic? I don't. I don't know if that's realistic. That's what I want. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't think it's going to happen. I don't I think, think, think it's going to happen, but that's what I want. I don't at think the beginning so. of the season, I thought it would happen. But I see the way he's working with the pitchers, and I feel like I really like – I don't think Rodriguez or D.L. Hall are ready to come up. No, they won't be here. So I don't see the point of bringing him up yet. Uh, I'm going to say Eusenio Diaz because I'm really curious about Diaz. I thought he deserved a shot on this team, and I, uh, I'm really curious to see if he can make it in the majors. Yeah, I mean, Jemai Jones, we talked about it, I guess. Uh, I guess him. Um, Cobb Bradish is another guy, the pitcher we talked about, though I think it's unlikely that he gets the September call up. He's already he started at Bowie. He's already jumped one. I'm surprised if they jump him again to the majors this year, um, especially when they're worried about, I think, pitch counts and innings and stuff like that. Um, I mean, I want to see this is dumb, but like Cumberland, I think it's Brett Cumberland, the catcher. That's just because you don't hear Severino. That would mean, yeah, that Severino would be catching last. Yeah. Yeah, and if we can't have Rutschman, at least give me someone else. Right. Um, but, yeah, I think that's yeah, – yeah, again, because if well, you look at Norfolk, there's not a lot of guys. Like okay, Bowie sure. and Lower is where you get excited, and I don't think those guys are making the jump this year. Right. I think I'm more excited about who gets the invite to big league spring train in, in February than, I, than who gets the call in September. Yeah, I mean, I would be excited if Eugenio Diaz can – yeah, if, yeah, you're right, because I always liked him. And if he's here in September, that means presumably he stayed healthy enough to be here right. in September and hasn't been shut down for the season. Right. Um, so, yeah, I'd be glad to see him, too. Right. Not having a great minor league no. season, but I'm not too concerned about that. Yeah. Like, you want to see him healthy. Um, yeah. And I'm sure there's some – I'm trying to think. I'm sure there's some bullpen arms, too. I mean, we've seen a bunch of guys call up, like Isaac Matson. you know. Well, we're seeing, we've seen all the bullpen – like, 
for pitchers, the Orioles aren't waiting until September. We're seeing it. We're seeing Lothar, Aiken, Eshelman. Yeah. We're seeing these guys go up and down, up and down. Yeah, that's true. So who knows? Um, all right. Well, if you want to send in your questions for the ball bag, it's real easy. You go on over to section336.com up at the top. You can click support if you want to support us, or you can click ball bag to send in your questions. Also, Josh, how was it? How did it feel to get owned by a pitcher that we're still paying in Alex Cobb? How'd that feel? <laughs> when Alex Cobb owned, owned us, I, and I was like, we're paying this guy you know, to own us. I wasn't too concerned about the fact that we're paying him. I was more sad and disappointed because the Alex Cobb that pitched on Saturday is the Alex Cobb that like we thought we were getting when we signed him six years ago from Tampa. When, when, when he left Tampa, like that's what he looked like. Yeah. And that's what we wanted in Baltimore. So it was, it was more of like uh, after all the injury issues he had in Baltimore and never hitting that peak, it's like, I saw the old Alex Cobb again and it made me a little jealous. Yeah. Um, I agree. And he always had that potential. And that was, I think his longest start since, you know, 2018 or something with the Orioles. The Orioles. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I also want to make one other comment just about this past week of baseball before we get out of here. Um, I thought it was pretty cool to see Spencer Watkins, um, make the Orioles squad. I don't know if you read much about Spencer Watkins, but he's a guy who was like thinking about becoming a high school coach and kind of call, call, calling it quits. He's 28. Right. He's never made it to, to the majors. Story. Yeah. He, he was, he signed with the Tigers in 2014, uh, seven years ago. Right. Never made it to the majors. Had his first kind of MLB appearance. Um, I believe that was on Friday night. Um, and so just a great story for, for Spencer Watkins to finally get any pitch to score us in it. Yeah. Um, so a great story for him. So that was, that was cool. Um, I did enjoy seeing Otani this year, this weekend though. Yeah. He's fun to watch. He's fun to watch. I'm kind of disappointed. We didn't get to see him pitch, uh, but I know the Yankees blew him out just a few days ago, but yeah, they did. They did come out today and say that he will be both, Hidden and pitching in the All Star game. Yeah, it's very cool. It's definitely um, a he is, chance for him. Yeah, you wonder if, you know, there's a draft they talked about, and we didn't get into it with Bob, but there's a couple guys. I don't know their names, to be honest, but there's a couple guys who are two way players. Right. Um, but this is something like that's unheard of, right? That you have oh. a. When you talk about, Josh, you talk about how players can't handle switch hitting. You said right. they can't handle switch hitting. This guy's pitching and hitting. Which sounds right. a little bit more complicated than well, switching. Everyone's kind of two way until they get to college or the minors, and that's when they focus on one or the other. Yeah, just but what an incredible talent to be leading um, baseball in 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 home runs while also having one of the best areas in baseball. It's just it's it's unbelievable. And a we've we've all seen the highlights of Otani, but to watch him in that game, he's just got an impressive swing. Yeah. So yeah, it does. Nice. Yeah, he yeah, he'll take balls that are outside, balls that are high, um, now, and he'll put these amazing swings on them. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Now, to watch. How would you how would you like to be? I mean, we we feel it as Oriole fans, and the fact that we suck and all, and it's tough. And I saw the stat this weekend where you've made fun of me earlier for saying the Orioles have a ridiculous schedule. Did you see that stat this weekend that the Orioles have only played five, eleven games against a team that's under five hundred? Yeah. Year? I didn't see that stat, so, but yes. Yeah, so it's like, I guess they're showing that the Orioles do have the hardest schedule, but I well, feel for I, angel I, fans that have that watch trout and Otani all the time and still can't win ball games. 
Well, yeah, and that's well. I mean, Otani has been hurt re- 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 recently. This is the first time Otani has yeah. been put together the pitching and the hitting together. Yes. This is the first season where he's been able to do it. Um, hopefully, he'll be able to do it for the entire season. And then, of course, Mike Trock gets hurt. Um, and then you had Rendon, right, who's a stud third baseman to that mix too. Like you look at that lineup, and, like what are you talking about? And you got Madden as your coach. Yeah. So you should be winning games. Yeah, so. but but when you have a couple missing pieces, Josh, like yeah, when you're a couple missing pieces away from being a World Series team in the offseason, and right. so what do you do? Here's how you know there's something wrong. You call Mike Elias and say, hey, Mike Elias, I need a shortstop and a starter. Can you hook me up? And you get Iglesias and you get Cobb. Oh, and not to mention Bundy. Yeah, listen, if you want to become a playoff team, don't poach the Orioles for, for pitching. Um, but I do. Like, I, I, I root for the Angels. Um, just because you want to see Trout and now Otani in the playoffs. I think that would be really fun. Right. But I don't want to root for them to beat the Orioles. No. That, no that was not. Definitely not rooting for them this weekend. But yeah. Otani basically won two out of the three games for them. Yeah. But this past week, we also saw, and we got to wrap up here. But this past week, also, like, there's great storylines in baseball. The Yankees struggling. And now um, Garrett Cole struggling and Araldis Chapman struggling. These are some of my favorite storylines in baseball. Even if the Orioles aren't playing well, the fact that the Yankees aren't playing well makes me happy. Yep. Yeah. All right, All let's right. get out of here. All right, we'll get out of here. Um, do we have a, a word for today, Josh? A word for the day? For our uh, iTunes reviews. Yeah, well, let's go with, yeah for, if you're giving us iTunes reviews this week, if you want, if you use the keywords, you're always in the running for a free 336 shirt. I ended up sending three of them out this week. Nice. So I figured hit up all the guys that used Legacy last week. This week's word is going to be ceiling. Okay. A lot of ceiling and floor this week. Yeah. So uh, go in, give us an iTunes review about ceiling, and then hit us up in the ball bag for your chance to win a 336 shirt. Nice. Very cool. All right. You can follow us on Twitter, social media, all that good stuff. Like Josh said, write us a review on iTunes. Give us five stars. Uh, follow the show on Twitter at Section 336 Show. And on Facebook, just search Section 336. You can follow me on Twitter at Section 336. You can follow Josh on Twitter. At Josh Roca. Six more Oriole games this week and the draft to talk about next week. Yeah. We'll, we'll be after the first round. Uh, oh, yeah. We can talk about, hopefully, how they drafted Khalil Watson. We'll find out. It's hope so. All right. Thanks for listening to Boys and Girls. And as always, go O's. Go Michael Elias.
This week at Macy's, find Valentine's Day gifts for all your loves, like fragrance gift sets they'll adore. Plus, take an extra 15% off with your coupon or Macy's card. On top of beautiful jewelry finds, now 35 to 70% off. And 25% off decadent chocolate from Godiva. Macy's Star Rewards members earn on every purchase except gift card services and fees. More at Macy's.com slash Star Rewards. Savings off sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply. Progressive presents Adjusting to the Suburbs. I never thought about space in my cramped apartment, but in this house, all I see is empty space. The sofa and ottoman look like tiny islands in a sea of hardwood floors. I could get two ottomans in the living room, but then I'd need another sofa. I could tell people I'm into minimalism. Anyway, when you save with Progressive by bundling your home and auto, that's the easy part of adjusting to the suburbs. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company coverage provided in service by affiliates and third-party insurers.